Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Andy Wood, and that's... It's Matt Kirshen. <laughs> it's that Matt again. Oh, that Matt. It's that Matt. That's the new sitcom from it, Probably Science Networks. It is. Oh, yeah. I forgot to tell... We probably forgot to tell the listeners, but we're now a TV network. Oh, did I... I always forget to... Yeah. yeah I'm going to be honest. Lost. With hindsight, it has cost us a lot of money that I, we don't have... Yeah, I think we should have started a show before starting a network, but, you know, sometimes yeah. you got to It really it. turns out that, like, NBC and even the cable networks, your sort of Comedy Centrals and stuff, they really do have millions. <laughs> There's a lot to be learned from... <laughs> I didn't read any books, I was just like, now I'm a TV network, and uh, yeah, we changed got, my address. Got some business cards printed up, Matt and Andy, <sighs> TV network executives. It didn't... I thought that would be enough. Nah, there's a lot of things I would have done differently if I could go back in time a week, but here we are. Ah, that's a shame. We're we now millions in debt. Mm-hmm. But, you know, keep those PayPal donations rolling in. <laughs> please, please don't stop those. Uh, we're joined by a returning guest who is a, has been requested by many of our ASMR-addicted listeners. And comedy fans. And comedy fans. <laughs> Lovers of good comedy and music. It's Henry Phillips. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. The yeah. the creator and filmer of Punching Henry. Yeah. The new hit comedy flick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm I'm the subject and the star. <laughs> I don't like to say the star because it makes me sound like I'm think I'm an actor, but um <laughs> certainly the writer. And uh You literally are an actor. <laughs> yeah, I guess I am. I mean I have I have done some acting. I still never really felt like I'm doing it. I think I'm just always being myself. Most of the credits on IMDb it's I'm self I'm playing Henry. Not even self, just I'm just playing a character like, Henry. They just thought, well let's just call this character Henry. It doesn't really matter. I wonder if that's a if that's a sign when you show up on set as an actor that like people don't have faith in your range if every yeah. character they give you is not you well, if that happens to no, an I know. actor well, I'd say I it's always... a level up from like your role being a description <laughs> by the way side note my character in Punching Henry is called Matt uh, yeah oh. that's right well I can speak to this because I think that if you just picture somebody as that name why change it unless yeah. it's like if Matt were famous or no, I'm just kidding. You are famous, but I'm just saying if it was, it was some kind of method acting weirdo who was like trying to embody, if it was Tom Hanks, then you're not going to call him Tom because then everybody's going to think, wait, is he Tom Hanks in this? <laughs> I think you should actually call him literally Tom Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No your, relation. Your character is called Tom Hanks <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ja- Jackson. <laughs> well, first name Tom Hanks. Yeah. First name Tom Hanks. Did Family you know, by Jackson. the way, I don't know if you caught this, because I don't think you were tagged in it, but you were the subject of a Facebook post in the comment section because somebody, mm. and it's it's more interesting it, than anything. Before you finish this, is this it's, no, 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 okay. it's nothing even close to bad, but uh, you'll see where I'm going after. The post was uh, a comic made a joke, which not necessarily the funniest joke in the world, but he said, what's the um, comedian that's the most likely to uh, bring logs for your fire and he said Andy Kindler oh making a joke Tony Kameen jumped in there and said Andy Wood oh no it was a comedian, comedian named Andy, Andy. yeah most likely to did you ever see this I saw that yes but I'm just like 
leave it to Tony Kameen to come up with. But how do you how do you one up that one? Like the whole joke is premised on Andy Kindler. Yeah. That somebody comes out with how about Andy Wood, <laughs> which is more specific because it's not kindling the fire; it's actually the bringing the logs to the fire. Yeah, so, and Kindler is not kindling. Yeah, yeah, wood exactly. Wood. <laughs> He's yeah. the Kindler. Yeah. Oh, I guess he kindled. Can you kindle? Is that a verb also? I thought so. Maybe Can you not. make wood into well, kindling? Well, yeah, if you're kindling. Do you reckon that's how he got the name? Like, you know, Baker was the baker in town. Right. Shan- Shan- yeah. So one Shan- of his ancestors was, the was just maker. the guy who started fire sometimes. <laughs> well, yeah, now, then I think about, I didn't never thought about like, kindling as a, uh, what is that called, a gerund? Like, there's some nouns, you don't even think about the fact that they're kind of like verbs. They're based on verbs, yeah. Is it is it actually a verb? Can you kindle? I'm not gonna go well, I'll tell you one that's interesting, and, and this is like a lot of dictionary things, they eventually change because everybody got it wrong, but um, there's no word to be enthused. I think you can say you're enthused about something. You can now. Oh, oh. But yeah, like and traditionally reverse. there was never a word. Yeah, I mean, you can look it up, but um, you can you can have enthusiasm or you can be enthusiastic, but there's never been a verb just enthused Enthuse, except yeah. for that came after those other words it didn't those other words didn't come from a verb called enthused there weren't there wasn't a lot of enthusing happening yeah but now you hear it so much that i'll bet you anything it's in the dictionary and you know that's just what happens what do you feel like the big words are this year that you're hearing a lot of um, not the biggest in long but like what you know the, the trend well we talked like about the word progressive today Oh, as, it, as as applied to tax? Oh, no, as applied to... Well, politics, yeah. And just, it's so well in keeping with that trend of political um, affiliations to come up with a term for themselves that nobody would ever want to be on the other side of, you know? And yeah, I think people... And yeah, people think do. People don't <laughs> hear bow do. away from saying... That's way too progressive for me. It's yeah. like, you just sound... Yeah, I know, they do. Because those, those terms... But you, do you hear a lot of people saying that's way too democratic for me? That's true. That's that's amazing that that party heard, managed yeah. to own that word. <laughs> yeah, <and laughs> it's a word that everyone wants to say that they are like. Yeah, no doesn't want to. Well, there are parties also called things like the Prosperity Party. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Some, like third, par- like small parties or pro-life and pro-choice. Yeah, Nobody wants to be example. on either it's, of those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm anti-choice and anti-life. I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> You think it, that means just like you don't get a choice in the matter. We're we're getting rid of all. I'm these. just a misanthrope. <laughs> we're getting rid of all these babies. You don't get your life. You don't get your choice. Nothing. Yeah. Um, hey, you've been on the show before, so we've already done all the sciencey preamble. Should we just get straight into a story? Okay, we got yeah. some good ones on deck. We got some good stories ready to go. Um, I sent in this story, but then it was also sent in by listeners Aaron and also Julian Alberto, and it involves. Um, purifying seawater with graphene a graphene based sieve turns seawater into drinking water a UK based team of researchers has graced, created graphene based sieve capable of removing salt from seawater the sought after development could aid the millions of people without ready access to clean drinking water the promising graphene oxide sieve could be highly efficient at filtering salts and will now be tested against existing desalination membranes. It had previously been difficult to manufacture graphene-based barriers on an industrial scale, but reporting the results in the journal Nature Nanotechnology, scientists from the University of Manchester, led by Dr. Rahul Nair, I wonder if that's related to the person who invented the hair removal. It's got to be. 
There can't be two scientists called no. Nair. <laughs> That's right. It's turning big enough for both of us. Maybe it's exactly the same person moved on from, all right, we've got about the right amount of body hair in the world now, but we've got too much salt. Too much hair and too much salt. Uh, the, the Rahul Nair story. Dr. Nair showed how they solved some of the challenges by using a chemical derivative called graphene oxide. Isolated and characterized by U- University of Manchester-led team in 2004, graphene comprises a single layer of carbon atoms arranged in a hexagonal lattice. Can I just shout out for the first time I've heard someone use comprise correctly in forever? That's awesome. That's right. Uh, what, how? The bigger thing comprises the smaller things. People always want to say it's comprised of. It's like, no, it's composed of the smaller things, or it comprises or the smaller things. Or it consists thing. of, yeah. 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 That is a great usage. Anyway. Like infer and imply. Um, oh, wait, what's the difference between infer and imply? Oh, no, I know what the difference is. Yeah. 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 You infer something from the thing that is implied. Yeah, infer is inward and imply is outward, yeah. sort of, right? Or, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I'm certainly seeing a, a MacGyver episode where they're stuck on an island or something and they need drinking water. And he's like, if I could just make a makeshift graphene salination well, we sieve. We had a story a while ago about <laughs> a possible way of making graphene really cheaply using tape, just sellotape. I forgot it already. Yeah, it sounds familiar, but... um... Because graphene is essentially a single atom thick, but like a sheet of carbon that's basically nothing. Right. In terms of... In thickness. Which I still can't believe is possible, but... Yeah, it seems very strange, but it has extraordinary... It has unusual properties such as extraordinary tensile strength and electrical conductivity which has earmarked it as one of the pr- most promising materials for future applications. But it has been difficult to produce large quantities of, quantities of single-layer graphene using existing methods such as chemical vapor disposition, or deposition, CVD. Current production routes are also quite costly. On the other hand, said Dr. Nair, graphene oxide can be produced by simple oxidation in the lab. As an ink or solution, we can compose it on a substrate or porous material, then we can use it as a membrane. In terms of scalability, the cost of the material... Graphene oxide has a potential advantage over single-layer graphene. Uh, of the single-layer graphene, he added, to make it permeable, you need to drill small holes in the membrane. But if the hole size is larger than one nanometer, the salts go through that hole. You have to make a membrane with very uniform, less than one nanometer hole size to make it useful for desalination. <laughs> the end it's of a all really this. challenging job. <laughs> so you're still just drilling holes in. <laughs> you, you're making something that's going to cost so much more... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's cool, but I can't imagine a way that this becomes a massive, scalable thing. I don't know. But isn't a lot of things start that way, though, right? Yeah, yeah. But we also talked about... Um, sorry, I, didn't, I know you have more to... I do, but you can... Um, we, we talked we can last ch- year or two years ago or three years ago. I don't even know how, how much time has gone by. With uh, Dr. Jay Famlietti, who is a water researcher with NASA, about the fact that um, desalination isn't... Um, isn't like the magic bullet to solving water problems because it's still water isn't very efficient to uh to ship places so it's like only if you're near an ocean is it is it is it an important thing to work on desalination for for drinking water right for so if if you're in the middle of africa that yeah it's not useful there's not going to be a a water pipeline yeah yeah any more than there already are but um anyway not to be a pessimist it's great it's It's, uh gilligan's island it would be great Yeah, I mean, if you could just the professor have a thing. could probably come up with one of these things. I'm sure. I'm sure. Is there is there graphene in coconuts? Does it say? 
I didn't get to that point. Uh, I don't know. I'll carry on and see okay. if we get to yeah, it. Yeah. Graphene oxide membranes have been already proven their worth in sieving out small nanoparticles, organic molecules, and even large salts. But until now, they couldn't be used to filter out common salts, which require even smaller sieves. Previous work has shown that graphene oxide membranes become slightly swollen when immersed in water, allowing smaller salts to flow through the pores. Dr. Nair and colleagues have demonstrated that placing walls made of epoxy resin, substance no used in coatings and glue, on either side of the graphene oxide membrane was enough, was sufficient to stop the expansion. So restricting the swelling also allowed the scientists to tune the properties of the membrane, letting through more or less common salt, for example. When common salts are dissolved in water, they always form a shell of water molecules around the salt molecules. This allows the tiny capillaries of the graphene oxide membranes to block the salt from flowing along with the water. Water molecules can go through individually, but sodium chloride cannot. It always needs the help of the water molecules. The size of the shell of water around it is larger than the channel size, so it cannot go through. Nice try, salt. Not today. But by contrast, water molecules flow exceptionally fast through the membrane barrier, which makes it ideal for use in desalination. When the capillary size is around one nanometer, which is very close to the size of the water molecule, these molecules form a nice interconnected arrangement like a train. Hmm. This makes the movement of water faster. If you push harder on one side, the molecules all move on the other side because of the hydrogen bonds between them. You can only get that if the channel size is very small. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. This could provide the ultimate goal, uh, they say, is to create a filtration device that will produce drinkable water from seawater or wastewater with minimal energy input. I'm for it. I didn't mean to sound like I wasn't for it. I was just saying it's not the solution to everything but it is really cool what was the last thing you said from seawater to and then you all wastewater oh, with minimal I energy they can recycle water waste water well, yeah well I guess is that like how, how big are <laughs> they're doing that now shit right? particles on the same scale as uh, sodium chloride uh, is, is what sorry oh, yeah I think well, I think it'd be slightly bigger I would think so yeah 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 by the way there's there was probably about 15 viable uh, band names in that article, in that article. <laughs> like common salt, I thought might be a good one. Is there a band called Common Salt already? Tiny Look capillaries. Bandcamp. Um. Um. Polymer-based membranes. <laughs> yeah, why not? There's a band called the Table Salt Band, okay. and there's a band called Just Salt, which is a Swedish grunge alternative rock band who had one hit symbol, single in the United States. How about Hexagonal Lattice? Is that a math rock band? Yep. Oh, and there was also um, a singer salt uh, of Unpepper fame. Okay. <laughs> um, who was There's that one some... that sang the graduation song that was one, uh, one... Oh, Vitamin C. That's not even one word. <laughs> I had a band called Pepper, and that was their big rival. <laughs> salt. I remember. We used to open for them. You could... You could... <laughs> you could have teamed up together on a mixed bill and then yeah. really disappointed some actual salt and pepper fans. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Furious. Salt and pepper. Why are these two different like, Swedish <laughs> these and American metal bands? We spell, pepper with a, we spell pepper with two P's and an R. It's a totally different thing. I don't know why you guys heard us lazily pronouncing the word. We we hit the R hard when we yeah. said our band name. I love those things. Like uh, there's an interview with Ozzy Osbourne when he's talking about their first trip to America. And they were like in Philly or something at some club and the band's called Black Sabbath. And Ozzy telling the story, he's just like, I looked in the audience and it's just every single person was black, you know, like African-American. And finally this one guy after, you know, midway through our show, 
just yelled at me and he went, Hey, Black Sabbath. He thought my name was Black Sabbath. <laughs> Ozzy's a really funny guy telling these stories. He's like, How come none of y'all are black? <laughs> and it's like, We just pissed everybody off because, because of their name. It does really sound like a black exploitation. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Thing. If you've never heard it as yeah. a band name, you can yeah. totally believe it. If you thought it, like Black Sabbath as a band, you go, oh, that's probably some kind of metal band. Yeah, yeah. But Black Sabbath as a person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If your name is Black Sabbath, it's yeah, by Richard for sure. Roundtree. It's definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's anyway, awesome. we, we just went from uh, desalination to Ozzy. I feel like this could go a couple directions. Um, uh, Ozzy has uh, what's a good? <laughs> he's he's he, he has a superhuman ability to survive things that should have killed most people. You could argue he's yeah. a, he's a metal superhero. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know you know who else is a superhero? A mm-hmm. uh, real life Iron Man who made an Iron Man style flight suit that is not a joke. Well, you know they have a song called Iron Man Black. Oh, that's the this. fucking better. Oh my god! <laughs> I just Holy Tony. Holy shit! I just Tony Kameen you right from the beginning of the thing. Oh my god! <laughs> I, my brain is the slowest. It's right fucking there. I have to stop this podcast and never do a podcast again. No, it's all right. It's a it's a real moment oh that we god. caught. I have to turn in my podcasting card. <laughs> this network is going nowhere, man. <laughs> Holy shit! They have a song called Iron Man. <laughs> I did you see that coming, Matt? And I didn't. No, I didn't know where you were it's even like going. One of their biggest. You've heard the song. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I know the song. Massive. Oh my god, that's one of those things where it, oh. you do something uh, like a televised thing, and it's not until like the way home that you're like, oh yeah. fuck, like a game show or something. It's like, yeah. what am I? I mean, By the I way, the other stories that we just... have loaded up are about paranoia and pigs in war zones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, it's going to take me like half an hour to get over this. Uh, but yeah, a dude... <laughs> A dude did strap on some uh, some like smaller scale jet engines and make basically a, a low grade Iron Man flight suit. Um, British inventor Richard Browning is hell bent on creating his own Iron Man flight suit, so he founded the company Gravity. He recently partnered up with Red Bull and um, spent a year developing the Daedalus flight suit, which falls far short of the style and capabilities of Tony Ho- Tony Stark's real Iron Man gear. But it consists of small jet engines strapped to his lower arms, ankles, and sometimes his back. Instead of an arc reactor embedded in Browning's chest, the propulsion, the propulsion suit is powered by a highly flammable liquid fuel that Browning carries in custom suit equipped in a custom suit equipped with fuel bladders. Here are the pictures. In we'll f- link to this fact. Yeah. in the show description and on probablyscience.com. Wow. For Henry's uh, benefit, I will project project this out of the TV. Um, yeah, this is actually, this is the same brand of, um, of engines that I was looking into when I was doing research for the Jetpack episode of How to Build Everything. It's, I think it's all one company that makes all of these model, um, this is the same basic kind of engine that is on the world's first true Jetpack, but these are just the smaller ones. These are like half the size of the two that are on the back of the person. Um, but yeah, you can see he has these in the ends of his arms and ends of his uh, next to his hands and uh next to his ankles and he can get like a foot or two off the ground and it's really unstable <laughs> or he can at least like jump pretty high and for it's, longer than you'd think oh, it looks yeah. i guess super... he is sort of in the air right now oh, he's in the air later in the he's clip, definitely in the air he doesn't 
he does look like this is uh, he, oh, he's oh, got a safety also, harness as well yeah. yeah he upgraded it halfway through this video that we'll link to again on the squarespace powered probably science.com he upgrades to having two engines up on either side of each hand and then the ones um, on his ankles and yeah he is definitely constantly on the verge of losing balance but it does look pretty awesome he's also it's, it's like watching those early uh, flight um, attempts you know yeah, yeah there was just someone going past on a segway in the background which just seems like right or a hoverboard thing yeah so yeah uh, back to the story it does feel like yeah like one of those videos of someone strapping bird wings to their yeah, arms and yeah, jumping exactly. off the side except he, it's working like he can get off the ground yeah. Um, so yeah, small jet engine strapped to his lower arms, ankles, and sometimes his back, and uh, it's 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 fueled by I believe those things just run on basically kerosene, which is jet fuel, more or less. Um, and there are some Iron Man touches in this Daedalus flight suit, a built-in heads-up display so Browning can keep track of his flight, fuel levels, and engine operation. It also keeps constant track of the fuel bladders with a fail-safe fuel alert. And uh, it's naturally Wi-Fi and Bluetooth enabled, allowing it to live stream video to the ground and for the ground crew to keep tabs on the status of the suit itself. Live streaming to the ground at this point is two feet below him. But um, yeah, they don't really need much Wi-Fi to keep track of him because he is just in a car park. But uh, (laughs) at the end of this video, you'll also see he's doing some training. He's very strong. He can do gymnastics type things, which I think is what we always forget when we look at things like the Iron Man suit, like, oh, I want one of those. You'd have to have such um, incredible arm strength if half your propulsion is coming from your palms and you have to keep that oh, yeah. locked out the whole time. Uh, so, yeah, this is... Um, what else? Calling it a flight suit is a bit of a stretch, as he admits, in a pair of videos demonstrating this system. Um, like we said, he really stays off the ground for um, more than a few seconds. But uh, the long-term goal is to suit humans with... Um, these things that could fly at hundreds of miles an hour across the sky. And I guess we'll believe it when we see it according to this Mashable article. But I mean, I don't know why you can't believe it. Like we already have jetpacks that are, the thing is it's cooler than a jetpack in a way, but it's less practical. Like, I don't know why you'd prefer this to just an actual jetpack that doesn't require your arms to be locked out and super strong all the time. Yeah. But it is pretty sweet. Yeah. No, absolutely. At the end of this video, he stays aloft for, what is it like? That's at least 10 seconds or so. Oh yeah, he's been for a long time. And then time. every time he comes like he's down, it down. <laughs> it seems like you could really fuck yourself up on that thing, though. Yeah. yeah, like he is. It does say in this article that he is dead now. Oh, oh, oh that's too bad. But you know, he gave. Uh, it, we're all standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, and I heard dead giants. Ozzy Osbourne is going to record like a uh, <laughs> "Candle in the Wind" '97. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> redo of that song. He was Iron, Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> So again, yeah, this is all about the video. So really go to probablyscience.com and click on the link to check out the video of this dude. It's pretty awesome. And that was sent in by, I believe, Justin Broad. Is that right or not? Uh, no, that story was... Uh, that story was Simon sent Martindale. in by Simon Martindale. Thank you, Simon. Simon found that. The Iron Man thing. And by the way, you can always send in emails. Uh, you can always email stories to us, rather, probablyscience at gmail.com, or you can tweet at probably science um and if you go to that twitter handle you'll also see a picture of an upcoming guest is this t- should we not be teasing this on the actual episode on the actual well, show well we we, we blurred out his face yeah so oh sh- i've just given away the gender oh, damn oh i'm it. an idiot oh uh, okay it's a man and we blurred out his face we really don't want to spoil we don't want to don't want to spoil it yeah uh his name rhymes with veal 
crevasse bison. Mm-hmm. But we really don't want to spoil who it is. Wow. So, oh, that's going to keep me up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um, a... Um, there's... We, here's the thing. If you send in guests, guesses, we're not going to... We're not going to say yes or no. That's giving too much Because it's giving it away. Right, 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 right. So no... No trying to jump the gun on this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That episode's going to drop in a few weeks' time. So you have lots of time to think about it and come up with your theories. You can go to your subreddits. Mm-hmm. Try and solve this mystery. Yeah. That's we should fantastic. probably do a podcast about the mystery. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. We should contact the serial team and see if they can... <laughs> the guy, the Richard Simmons dude, has got nothing to do now. Oh, he yeah. He's, free. he's finished that one. five episodes. Yeah, That's... we should get him involved and see if he can really unpick who this person is. Yeah. We're not going to say. Just do it from process of elimination. Start with seven billion people and just... Yeah. Well, we've already cut it down to less than half of that. That's true. That's right. We've got the gender. we got, like, that... No, the rhyming is a slight clue, but it's, like, that's not that much information to go on, so it's... Yeah, in, um, the, in like, the guess who of the world, we've probably cut it down by, by maybe a third. Right, right, right. Or about a half of it, to a third, rather. So now we're down to, like, three billion... Two to three I'm, billion people. Yeah. I mean, I have my guess, but I don't want to say it in case it's right. Yeah, the chances of being right on the first guess are so low. They're so I slim. It'd be like, just so I'll say it'd it'd Joe like, Biden. We can't say. We can't say. We told you at the beginning that we can't say. Am I close? We can't even. I'm oh, not going to oh, tell you. Exactly. The second we start doing uh, that, stop yeah. fishing okay, for clues. I gotcha. I think everyone's just going to have to. It wait. can't be Winona Ryder because she's female. So yeah, that's that's a lot of people went to that on Twitter as soon as posted the picture. But we said nope. Damn, the gender is off on that one. We will tell you that. Hey, you know what it you know what else uh you know you know what's not as fun as Iron Man suits? Kids with cancer? <laughs> did I get it? You did get oh, it. Nice. Cool. Okay. Crib death. <laughs> uh. Justin uh, Justin of Earlwood on Twitter. Comedians, by the way, are the only ones where crib death is a punchline. It's literally a signal to start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I guess, you know. <laughs> really jaded doctors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Probably so. Is there an actual joke about this, or is it just a cartoon I saw once where this guy had a business called Sid's Used Baby Furniture? Oh, uh, up here on Sunset, there was Sid's. There yeah, really was? Literally. Literally. It was. It's actually stone's throw away from where we are right now. For years, oh it was Sid's. God. They might have spelled it S-Y-D apostrophe S, but still. Yeah, it, still was, it was baby for every letter. Yeah, you probably <laughs> saw it like a Paul of Tompkins or a Patton or one of those guys. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was a classic. <laughs> it was right there. It was like too, it was too on the nose to even be interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because everyone drives by and thinks the same thing. <laughs> yeah, like, like I always had a theory, like what if there was a guy whose name was... You know, like John Smallcock or something that's like, it's so obvious that nobody, even right, even, even at the youngest that. age, people are like, well, I'm not going to do that. That's just yeah. so obvious. And he never winds up hearing any bad jokes about himself <laughs> because nobody bothers. That's I think that's the case for two of my, two of my college friends, Mike Dickman and Brian Fallick. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I'm not making a joke. I have two friends with those names. And Fallick was the perfect one because like at do the age- Do you ever get uh, Fallick like, like penis? At the age of no. their most like Sorry, first time no, ever. Honestly, he didn't because at the age when kids are cruelest, they don't know the word phallic. That's right. So by the time you learn the word, you've grown out of You've already grown asshole. out of doing the joke. Yeah, yeah. So just no one did the joke. No one ever did That's the joke. That's hilarious. He, he knew that, right? I mean, he must have had, there must be like a talk when you reach a certain age in the phallic household, right? They must have two talks. <laughs> or maybe they combined it into all one talk. 
Like son? Yeah, we, we, had, a, we had a guy, uh, Eric Dickhouse, <laughs> but it was Dick H-A-U-S, so it wasn't spelled that way, but still, I mean, it sounded like it, it was a house full of dicks. It sounds like a German like, actual business. They yeah, register yeah. With the... Dickhouse. Yeah, that's just like a Dickhouse. <laughs> Isn't dick German for fat? Oh, okay. So to a German, that's just like fat house. Yeah, yeah. Your typical fat house. Isn't that one of those next door to Sid's? Yeah, that's like that doesn't make sense either. Well, I mean, I guess if the house itself is large. Um, Google is saying. Well, hang on. Oh no, that's. See, this is the problem with. Oh yeah, no, there we go. Yeah, dick is is German for fat. The trouble with typing it into Google Translate is you get. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that wasn't a joke. That was. Oh, oh, I uh, thought and, it was just and a how do you spell dick in this case? Uh, according to Google, I thought it was like just D I C or D I K, but it's D I C. It is D I C K. Okay, because so I know how would you translate to German? I've got a fat dick. How would you say? I mean, I've ha- I've had to like improvise this so many times on trips over there. Fat, fat. Yeah, it would be yeah. Ich, ich habe ein dick. I can't remember what Pete hand. Dick Schwanz. I think that might be it, actually. It is actually says de penis is oh, is an option. Okay. Uh, das das glied and die Ruta. Ruta? So like if root? your name is, but that means uh, like a rod or a cane. But I think it's oh, used okay. slang for penis. Now, if your name is Dickman, yeah, would you rather people because it sounds funny to us because ah Dickman, but then in German, then you'd be fat man. So I wonder if you just keep going back and forth trying to figure but out which man, one's more of an insult. But man means cock. So it's Oh, it really does. Just, oh, okay, yeah. Like fat cock. Fat cock. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because when you're when you're a kid and you have a name like that, even if it's something that kids could brag about, it's still you it's don't want to have good. that name. Yeah. Even if your yeah. name was just largest cock, you know? <laughs> like you'd be like I, I Mom, I don't want to be John Largest Cock. <laughs> like, I don't. Even, well, no, that's a good thing, honey. Those people brag about that, you know. Yeah, but I just don't want that. Name. <laughs> what are they making fun of you for having a large cock? Why would they do that, honey? They're all just jealous. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> next time they, next time <laughs> you, you, you show them. Oh, <laughs> You show them that you're not, you don't care. Yeah. You're not bothered. Have you, have <laughs> yeah, you exactly. Have you seen the original, like the Operation Sins Brigade uh, TV show? No, I never saw that. In the 90s? Oh, yeah, I remember it. The yeah. recurring character, I think his name's Donnie. He's mm-hmm. a kid. It's like a very special episode. There's like the, the beginnings of a, of, a, of a commercial for a sad thing that afflicts children. And it's just Matt Besser with this huge dildo hanging out of his shorts. He just plays this like six year old with a giant cock. That's his design. That's great. And they call it Donnie UCB. I'm just searching that. Hopefully it'll be a little, oh, just little Donnie. Yeah. If you just search for little Donnie, you'll find the Comedy Central clip of uh, Matt Besser. That's awesome. As a childish simpleton with a huge dildo hanging out of his (laughs) basketball shorts. Uh, Okay. Uh, kids with cancer. Yeah, so children exposed to CT scans have a higher than previously thought risk of developing cancer, according to research. CT scans are used by doctors to get to the core of a problem by creating a 3D image of the most inaccessible nooks of the body. But the beams of ionizing radiation can cause cellular damage. A fresh analysis of 2013 research is being presented by researchers from the University of Melbourne, the World Congress of Public Health. They said the radiation risk was much greater than previously acknowledged. 
The results indicated that most of the excess cancers occurring more than two years after a CT scan were caused by radiation from it. Ooh. All right. John Matthews and his team from the university examined the Medicare and cancer records. This is Australian Medicare. Uh, of almost 11 million Australians aged up to 19 years old. The risk has increased to a small extent, possibly one extra cancer for every 2,000 exposed to a CT scan. The study found more than 3,100 children who'd been given a CT scan had developed cancer, 24% higher than children who had not had the scan. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a fair amount. Uh, The researchers found that the risk of developing cancer increased by 16% for each additional scan, whereas if they were exposed as adolescents, then the relative increase in risk was smaller. The absolute risk does tend to go up with increasing age of diagnosis. Uh, Professor Matthews said his team suspected this has something to do with the way cells turn over in young people. They do seem to be more sensitive to the insult from the ionizing radiation that can eventually lead to cancer. Than older people? Yeah, I I guess it's when you're younger, at a guess, sort of very roughly, cancer in general is caused by... Your cells are always dividing, but sometimes... It goes wrong. Yeah, there's a mutation. It gets copied wrongly, and it ends up with this mutation where it grows out of control. And that's basically what cancer is. Oh, and that that process is happening so much more prevalently in young people. Yes, I think that's the the risk. So the thing that's saving us older people is that we're basically decaying. Yeah, yeah, sort of everything's slowing down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly, including including cancer. Um, So... Michael Ditchfield, president of the Australian and New Zealand Society of Pediatric Radiology, admitted that it was difficult to find the right balance when deciding whether to use a CT scan on children. In a child that comes to hospital with a major abdominal trauma, where the child will die unless appropriately ass- assessed, then it's definitely worth the risk, Professor Ditchfield said. He also said that CT scanners had improved dramatically in recent years. They're considerably more sensitive to the point that the doses used may be a hundredfold less. The te- well, that's something to consider. Right? The techniques used for some areas such as the chest, we know we can use much lower doses. So it's important data, but impo- also important to be aware that the doses we now use are lower as a rule. I always forget CT scan versus MRI. What's the difference or what are the different use cases? Uh, I can't remember. One is used more for soft tissue and one's used more for hard tissue, I think. But the difference in how they work, the, they work wildly differently. CT scans are basically I mean, x-rays. Oh, okay, okay. CT scans are basically loads of x-rays from different angles that piece together a picture. MRI scans use a big electromagnet to make the water cells, uh, water molecules in the cells in your body vibrate. And as they, they go into a higher state of energy, and as they vibrate back down to the lower previous state of energy when the magnet's turned off, they give off some radiation. Oh. And you get a map of the water molecules in the body, which basically gives you a map of the cells in the body. Okay. And I only know this because I did MRIs for right. how I, to... I remember, that's why I was asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for how to build everything on the So zero channel. radiation, obviously, MRI is just magnetic yeah. fields. MRIs, as far as I'm aware, are pretty have no side effects. But... And, me, and what do MRIs stand for? Magnetic resonance imaging. Ah, Okay. That's no help. (laughs) (laughs) But basically, there's a big electromagnet that turns on and off loads of times. Okay. Well, actually, there's two electromagnets. There's one that sort of polarizes the the cells in one direction, and then another one that turns on and off. Okay. Um. So, 
differences between normal and abnormal tissue is often clearer on an MRI image than a CT. CT sends x-rays through the body, uh, sees different levels of density and tissues inside a solid organ, and can provide detailed information about the body, including the head, brains and its vessels, eyes, inner ear and sinuses, chest, heart and lungs, uh, skeletal system, pelvis, hips, reproductive system, bladder and gastrointestinal tract. Um, so I think for things like cancer, they actually generally use MRI scans to look. MRIs are good for soft tissue. And CT scans are good for harder tissue, I think. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a, a Dickman, <laughs> yeah, and, and you might want to use maybe some combination depending on yeah, it depends on when they arousal state of when they catch you. <laughs> Who's performing it? Yeah. Uh, let me see. No, this is not a good website. Fuck you. <laughs> Are you trying to find more about CT versus MRI? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to find a really neat. A, C- a CT scan is best for viewing both. Um, Bone injuries, diagnosing lung and chest problems, and detecting cancers. Oh, cancer, they do use CT scans. MRI is suited for examining soft tissue and ligament and tendon injuries, spinal cord injuries, brain tumors, etc. Oh, okay. CT scans are widely used in emergency rooms because the scan takes fewer than five minutes. An MRI, on the other hand, can take up to half an hour. And an MRI typically costs more than a CT scan. One advantage of MRI is it does not use radiation, whereas whereas CT scans do. Okay. I'm trying to remember which of those was being suggested. We were talking about, before we started recording, about uh, healthcare costs and how yeah. it's ridiculous. You're not allowed to ask and find out how much something costs before you opt into it. I think I was... Well, C- CT particularly the- MRIs, apparently there's a huge fluctuating cost. And if you do it at a hospital, um, it'll cost you like, say, 1400 or $2,000 or whatever. But it, um, according to the... I think it was Freakonomics was doing the podcast about it, but they they actually went and shopped around for an MRI and found one for like eight hundred dollars or something like that. Wait, yeah, what? Really? yeah. And what they determined was that a lot of times when you when you go to a hospital, you're not just paying for the very specific thing that you're getting at its market value. You're also paying for all their other overhead and all the people that didn't use that machine since they've bought it. Like they have and they actually said the- it. it it was a better the one that was cheaper was better it was like a higher resolution situation but um is it kind of like the equivalent though of people complaining about how a bottle of beer costs a certain amount in a hotel bar you know you're like I can <laughs> yeah, get that in yeah, 7-Eleven yeah. for like a buck 50 and you're like yeah but you're not paying for yeah, just the beer there. you're paying yeah, for yeah. like cool hospital ambiance you're well, for that's the environment true. and also the probably the bigger issue is that you're not paying for it at all your insurance company right. is probably paying for it which might be part of the problem because everybody just says sure right right um, well while we are talking about health costs and time and development of medical things we got an email in from Ali Greenberg who's emailed us in the past Ali is our assistant professor of epidemiology and has written before about epidemiological things we were talking we were talking about um, a discussion with MK Paulson about technology adoption S-curves and the question was raised of how long it takes to bring a new discovery drug or device to patients a major area of research my team and I focus on is the translational pathway and what facilitates and hinders rapid movement of drugs biologics and devices from the lab to the clinic or as it's often said from bench to bedside during my graduate training we were taught that adoption tends to follow that similar s-curve of adoption 
much like MK shared from his policy training, a landmark meta-analysis conducted in 2000 by Ballas and Boren and recently revalidated. Look at you, you proper scientist writing in like he couldn't... Uh, backing up data. Um, <laughs> revealed that the average time it takes for a drug or biologic to... Bio, bio, what is a biologic? Is that just... Um, I guess it's not a drug. It's an actual living, like it's bacteria. It's, uh, uh, no. it's uh, we're going to need, <clears throat> I'll Google it, but we might need a further clarification, Ali. Uh, to move from the discovery into clinical care is 17 years. That, uh, 17 years from lab to uh, clinic. And for devices, it's more on the order of 12 to 15 years. That's per a 2016 analysis study by Marcus and colleagues. We're seeing a slow but steady shift towards quicker translation over the past few years, believed to be in part as a result of the FDA's new initiatives, such as their breakthrough therapy and fast-track designations. But that's, like, almost two decades to get... Yeah, for a life-saving thing to... um... And I wrote back and said that that is surprising, which is, of course, that's that's the average, so there are things on either end of it, obviously. But, um, yeah, 17 years is a fucking long time to wait if you're on the verge of death, you know? Yeah, I'd say uh, I'd say don't wait. <laughs> yeah, I'd say just try good old prayer. Do you remember the great uh, Emo Phillips joke? I'm not even going to do justice to it, so I'll just give you a 30 second synopsis. But I don't know if you stop me if you already know the one that I'm going to say. But he's like, I went to the library and uh, I said I wanted to do some uh, research on the Heinrich maneuver, and they said, sure, just go to the. Uh, <laughs> You know, yeah. whatever. And so he he's, he says, there's a book here, but it's got R or something. Well, that means it's a reference book, so you can't take it out of the library, but you can photocopy it. And then he's like, by this point, my sister's turning blue from the piece of meat that's lodged in the <laughs> esophagus. I think that's actually on that tape you see right there. Oh, great. Which yeah, I was just first... looking at that. So you have cassette tapes, huh? Well, I just, those, I went back home on some trip and I found those. I was like, holy shit, these are the first tapes I ever owned. Like Weird Al in 3D. Came out in 83 or 84, and I think that was the first tape of any kind I ever owned. So if you digitize those, would you throw the cassette tapes away? No, I'm never going to play them. It's it's gotten so degraded that I tried playing the Weird Al thing. I have a tape player, and it's hardly audible. But the emo one, that was probably 85 and is that, that was, which one is that is that the E equals M O squared yeah that's oh, my it's first great. ever comedy album and it's I so still good. know almost every word to every bit on it it's so, so amazing so a biologic is is basically that it's um, according to WebMD this is specifically an article about rheumatoid arthritis treatment but I'm sure it applies to other things there's been significant advances in treating arthritis especially for patients whose arthritis doesn't respond to traditional disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drugs, DMARDs. The most important advance has been the development of a group of drugs called biologic response modifiers, or biologics. There are a number of them, blah, 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 there's a whole load. Um, They are genetically engineered proteins derived from human genes. They are designed to inhibit specific components of the immune system that play pivotal roles in fueling inflammation, which is a central feature of arthritis. They are uh, used to treat moderate to severe rheumatoid arthritis that has not responded adequately to other treatments. They differ significantly from traditional drugs in that they target specific components of the immune system instead of broadly affecting many areas of it. Biologics may be used alone, but are commonly given along with other arthritis medications. Asked and answered. There we go. 
Uh, we have another email that came in that I realized we should have gotten to earlier when we were talking about uh, fat dicks. Uh, <laughs> a German listener named Tim Anton wrote in, and he said uh, he is a longtime listener. Um, he wanted to firstly say about the we talked about Germany's energy efforts on the MK Paulson episode. And he said there are a lot of uh, wind parks in Germany, collections of tall wind turbines. They're all over the landscape, so much so that a common game for kids on road trips is to count them. Um, which yeah, we have a fair amount around here too, out in Palm Springs. We got yeah, something. up north in uh, then he near moved, San Francisco. Then he moved on to talk about cleavage because we we're trying to figure out the German word for we, cleavage. We did ask that last week. Uh, the word we're looking for is Auschnitt. Uh, it's the same word used for a clip from a movie or a certain area on a picture. So yeah, pretty boring, which is why he said he will try to establish Tittenkluft in his social circles. <laughs> also, the official longest German word, according to Tim, this doesn't seem that long, considering how long German words are, uh, is uh, uh which he says means basic car insurance. Wow. That's nine syllables, if I'm not mistaken. There must be longer words I, in I can't believe it. And that's hyphenated, too. Because we have so, longer uh, ones here. Yeah. I mean, anti Sesquipedalianism, as we call it. That's eight? Nine? That's nine. Yeah. Now, what does that mean? Uh, having 150 feet? Uh, yeah. But it was like a... Or, or, or no, having, a, having one and a half one feet. One and a half. Yeah, yeah. Sesquipedalian. Yeah, it was like a one, a one and a half foot long word is where it kind of came from. Just, Wait what? <laughs> it just means a big word, but I think that, that the, word, the root the word of it word, is like that big word you said means a big word. Like in, instead of saying a huge word, they they were cleverly saying it's a it's a foot and a half long word as opposed to a foot long word. So Germany it's like the opposite of monosyllabic. Germany which, lost yeah. its longest. Long, oh yeah, no, a long Sorry. word that means short word. Yeah, that's right. Germany lost its longest word after an EU law change in 2013. There used to be a word that meant a law delegating beef label monitoring, which was introduced in 99, and it was repealed following changes to EU regulations on the testing of cattle. That word is 63 letters long, and it is, I will try and do it justice, Rindfleisch uh, Tiketierung Suerbewachschungsaufgabenu Bertrand yeah so that's that word and it's a compound word in German which apparently Germans sometimes call tapeworm words oh but does that mean that the word no longer exists just because the position is gone it's still I don't know yeah it still seems like I get the search is now on for the language's new longest word German media reported among the contenders is is said to be uh, do you want to guess what this means Hang on. Uh, Donald Damp for Schiffar's Gesell Schaft's Kapitän Schwitzer. Kapitän Schwitzer. Um, it's pretty old. It's all there. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? Uh, it means the widow of a Danube steamboat company captain. Oh. <laughs> and I then it does say. Captain in there. It does say the longest word to be found in the dictionary, and it doesn't have a hyphen. I think that might have just been a punctuation or transcription error. Oh. Is that word that you just said that means automotive uh, car liability insurance? Oh, okay. Well, then, Tim, why'd you put that hyphen in there? Well, in America, ours was always, um, or I guess in English, yeah, because it's an English word, but anti disestablishmentarianism. 
Yeah, and the, there's that, and there's flocky knocking the hillopillification, and I don't think either of those are actually the longest words. I think there's oh, yeah? another word that means, like, a type of lung disease that's even longer. Oh, I see. Let's go to the internet. This podcast should just be called. We're going <laughs> to Google that for you. Google it. Let's Google that for you. We should have that as an extra segment. Google's you can write like, something. You while, can email us a question. While we will you look, Google it and then answer it on the air. <laughs> Google will probably get tired of it. It'll be like, do you mean titties? Oh, well, okay. There there are technical terms that are... Uh, okay. There's a 189,000 letter word, but it's a chemical name. And it's just a bunch of, you know, organic chemistry terms put together like... Well, actually, there's a link to it. Can I actually see uh, the chemical name of... Titin, the largest known protein, um, at the on third, it's one hundred eighty-nine thousand letters. I'm not gonna what? Oh yeah, <laughs> but then uh, third place is um, okay. Then there's a two thousand letter word. It's also a organic compound that has the distinction of largest published word, even though it's still technical. And then um, the longest ever to appear in literature is one hundred eighty-two letters. And it's uh, the longest word coined by a major author, and it is Lopet. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. But made up by an author? That doesn't seem... It's a transliteration of the ancient Greek word, that's also super long, that means name of a dish compounded of all kinds of dainties, fish, flesh, fowl, and sauces. Hmm. So I guess that's the one, but it's not very fun. And then... um, 45 letters coming in at number fourth. Longest word in a major dictionary. Pneumonal, tram, microscopic, silicovolcanoconiosis. That's the one. Also technical. That's the one. And I th- that, is a, that is a type of lung disease that's caused by dust from, I think, coal mines or something like that. It's microscopic sil- or silicon of some kind. Silicovolcano. Uh, it seems like a little bit of a, uh, a cheat. It just yeah. sounds like a bunch of words together. Microscopic volcano. Yeah, it was yeah. similar to the German like compound words, where yeah. it's just uh, oh, it's just what's a sentence that you could put together in a word. Right. Listener Jeff Candela has written in with a query. As Jeff says, as I watch maple seeds fall in my yard, I've always wondered what is the biggest weight that a whirly gig could have and still effectively slow its descent to the ground. Like, could you create a whirly gig rig to more slowly allow the ball to drop, or could you apply this to make one large enough to work on a person? Uh, the answer to that is, I have no idea. I don't know what... But people sometimes send us in these queries like we're actual experts. Or like, or like we're Mythbusters, and we're going to go build this giant whirly gig and see what happens. Like. Jeff, I, I, I put that to our listeners. If anyone has an answer to that question, please write in. But we are not the ones to answer that. We have no idea. <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to begin answering that question. What if you had a gun to your head? <laughs> I mean, I could make up an answer for you. That's like the first time I got one of those newfangled interview questions yeah. in college about like, if the entire country changed to dimmers instead of light switches tomorrow, how much energy would be saved? Mm-hmm. And I just said, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> next. Next question. Like, yeah, did you yeah, do exactly. that? I just said, I don't know, because I hadn't even heard of that format of question where they want to see how you would make an estimate. Yeah. What, they should have just said, how would you make an estimate of like not how much energy would be saved because I'm like I I, it's impossible for you yeah 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 why would you ask me that <laughs> yeah they, they phrased it incorrectly yeah. yeah 
I don't know. But then they said, well, how could, could you make an estimate? I'm like, well, yeah, I can make an estimate. Like, you didn't ask for <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, I guess let's, let's estimate that a kilowatt hour costs this, or this many households, whatever. Oh, uh, that used to bug me so much when you'd see a standardized test with a little uh, flaw in their question. Yeah. Oh, I thought it you were going to say it would bug you with so much different... when they had those <laughs> interview questions. Yeah, there was, was a lot also, of those. How many people are playing made... tennis at any one, like right now right, right, right. in the world? But this was a couple oh, yeah, of yeah. dimmers, and that was why they asked that particular question. And then I got a rejection letter in the mail, and ever my friend Stan was like, Hey, Andy, sorry, it looks like you're not going to work for Lutron. <laughs> Lutron. Like, they were, I, like, they were so exclusive with their interview. I'm like, you guys make dimmers. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you. It's 1999. It's the fucking dot-com boom. <laughs> Everyone graduating is getting, like, English majors are getting six-figure jobs. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, like it would be tempting to go for them and then when they're like any quest do you have any questions for us go like yeah where does the el- extra electricity go <laughs> you know like when you di- no no when you dim something because like all of it, it when, when it's on full all of the electricity goes into the light right okay so we know that but like say it's on 50% hear me out <laughs> where does the other half go could you put like a little basket underneath the dimmer to catch it? Yeah. Then... What if we collect that and we use it to power other things? Yeah. <laughs> um, but speaking of listener th- questions, I was thinking about whether I wanted to ask this because Mike, I kind of want to figure out the answer myself and don't want listeners to beat me to it, but I'm not sure I can or want to put in the effort. So I'm going to pose a math problem, sort of a math problem to listeners. I was thinking about how as you age, every year seems like a shorter amount of time because it's a smaller percentage of your life, right? Uh-huh. Like you're five, that last year was 20% of your life. Yeah. When you're 50, that last year was 2% of your life. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense why it seems like time is speeding up. Um, so assuming a person lives to be 100 years old, at what time in their life did they hit the midpoint of their life experientially where they they perceived that as much time is behind them as they will perceive the time ahead of them to be. It's pro- it's not like the geometric mean, but it's not the it's not the mean. It's not fifty. It's between fifty and hundred. But like, what kind of math would you have to do to find that midpoint? So I put it to you, listeners. If a person lives to hundred, what is their experiential midpoint of their life? Do you hmm. have any kind of guesses about how you'd do it, Matt, or not? I'm gonna have a little think. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna go away and have a little think about. I think we'll have a listener definitely nail it. I don't know uh, if it'll be before either of us do. I'm not actively thinking about it anymore, but um, I don't think it's going to be that complicated. I think it's just a matter of what kind of progression, because it's not like it's logarithmic. It's uh, it's sort of, um, it's like adding up the things behind you. So it's sort of a... Uh, mm, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, um it's not like factorial, but it's... Uh, I think it's going to end up being something really simple, like just yeah, the area very... of the triangle. <laughs> I think it's, it's not... just going to be a... It's, I think it's just going to be a straight line and a... It's not a straight line, though. Oh, is it going to be... Uh, okay. some kind of... If it was a straight line, that would... <sighs> oh, in that case, you're going to have to do integration, I think. It might be just a simple integration, the air... but I'm not sure what the thing you're integrating is. And it's not something where you can take like 10 years and multiply that by 10... I don't think I think integration makes sense because it, it, like if you look at it as you're not going to look at it in year chunks, but if you look at like what an integral is, which is a bunch of ever uh, shrinking in size 
rectangles, right? Like yeah. adding up the area under a curve, you can do it with like a few chunky rectangles and then make those smaller and smaller and the limit as the width approaches zero is, is the integral, which I think is what this will be, but mm. I don't know what the thing you're integrating is. So there's some calculus for someone to figure out. Um, Here's one I'll put to you guys. Yes. And I know the answer to this. I have a friend who has terrible luck. This is true. As mm-hmm. a matter of fact, I don't know if I should say his name. Chances are he's not listening. I haven't talked to him in 20 plus years, but we used to just laugh about the fact that his his luck like beat the odds insanely in every single way. Like one time he got a random brick thrown through his back window of his yeah. car and then another time he had a brick thrown in the back window, but they were both in two totally different parking lots and totally different d- periods of his like, life. I don't even know anybody it was just, who's had yeah, yeah, yeah. Brick, alone. That's the kind of guy this guy was. But anyway, his name was... Uh, Is his name relevant to the story? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to say his first name. <laughs> okay. But his middle his initial was, was A, and his last uh, name was Ness. So it was anus. So, so people would make fun of him. But here's the thing, and this is where the question's going to happen. His brother's name was blank, middle initial P, Ness. Right. What are the odds that two people with the last name Ness, two brothers, would have? And, and you don't have to talk about which letters are more common in names, but right. what, of all the letters in the alphabet, how would you do the math of what would the odds be that both of them would have this, the two only ones that you could make fun of? Oh, uh, that would, if you're, if you're not talking about the frequency of letters and no. names, well, first I think we, let, you, that you, would be too complicated. Let's just say it's just as equal that you could have a, a middle na- initial Z as you could, you know, P. I think it's, uh, it's not just one in 26 times one in 26. That's it's what one, I thought. Or, uh, oh, wait. It's, well, because you need it to be two different ones, don't you? Oh, wait, wait. Yeah, because it, it'd be one out of 26 times, is it? Um, I think it's one m- over 26 squared. One times one out of 25? Because the, the second time there's, there's a different... Uh, it has to be a different one from the first one, but either, yeah. either way, it's saying, okay, actually, the, the chances of the first one being either a P or an A is uh, 1 in 13, right? And then, yes. and then, yeah. And then that, based on that... But one of them's already the, taken at one that One of them point. is already taken, so then the other one has to be uh, specifically only one of the 26, so I think it's maybe it's 1 over 13 times 26. Okay. Maybe. Which is still a pretty, very unlikely thing yeah. if it was random. I used to know it 20 years ago. No, hang on. It would be times 25 for the second one. If it had been taken. Oh, hang on. Wait a second. (laughs) I think you're going to get some listener... This is high school probability. You're going to get some some listener listener mail. I can can definitely say the chances of of one of them, if you're looking at just one of them, being either a P or an A is 1 in 13. Mm -hmm. It's right? Yes. So that case is done. Now, whatever the outcome of that case is... All you're saying is that there's a specific one of the 26 that the, the next one has to be. It doesn't matter that the other one's taken. It's like it has to be the other one of those, which is yeah, one of 26, yeah. I think. That's why I think that the one on the 13th is a 13th is a hard way to start. I think it, I feel like it'd be easier to say one out of 26 Cause you're not, times you, one out of 26. The first one doesn't yeah. require anything but that it be one, one or the other. Okay. second one is limited by what the first one is, I think. Is that right? So it's apparently much harder than I thought. Yeah, and you need it to be... Uh, 
Well, hang on again. What what are, well, what are the rules? Because do, do we or do we have the rule? Well, what, that uh, the kids are definitely going to have two different initials. Yes. Because is there a possibility that they would both have R's? No, no, both have? no. They they can't both have. Uh, well, let's make it easier. Let's make it easier. We have okay. two twenty six sided die that have letters on them, right? You're saying, mm-hmm. and you're saying, what are the chances when you roll those two exactly that, that one comes up P and one comes up there A? There you go. Regardless of which one is which. There's another way to say it. Yeah. But here's, here's, here's the tricky thing, right? The second time, it's a 1 out of 25, correct? The, well, the tricky I thing about rolling... Thing is 1 out of 26. Here's why I think uh, rolling the dice is a bad analogy, because the dice doesn't have any control over what the seconds want. The, they could the par- turn out the same, yeah. Yeah, they, they could end up with the same initial in that thing. And I don't know whether that's allowed in the rules of the game or not. I can't see why you wouldn't allow it for the purpose of this game, because you can well, have They can't both be P, and, and they can't yeah. both be A. They, they have could to be, be... One has well, to be P, one, one has to be A. Right, one has to be. Mm-hmm. But, but like, I, I you, you could have named the kids... You could have named the kids, like, Adam and Andrew. Yeah. Or you could name them, like... Peter yeah, and Paul. We're saying the same thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which, so but, you're right. So the, the second one would be one out of 26 as well. You need a P, which is only one letter in the alphabet. Yeah. It just excludes... It ex- yeah, it, I, it excludes I think, all. It excludes the one that's been used, but it excludes all it, the other all ones of as them. Well. Yeah, so, so that's why just, isn't it one twenty six times? One times but no, because the parent, if the parents have resolved that no, that the kids will always have different initials. But why would the parents have resolved that? Is what I'm saying. Uh, because they could have two different names. Like Kardashians have all. We're, the same we're just saying if you names. were his his dice analogy is exactly what we're doing. Yeah, so right. Two twenty six sided dice. You're wondering if if for some reason you've set up a rule where no one's ever going to name kids with the same middle initial. Which why would that be a rule? Uh, in which case, I think it's um, two over twenty-six squared. Two is that the same t- as? What, what oh, if that's I the said same as, that's the same as uh, one, it's one over, over thirteen, 13 times, times one. 20, of, yeah, that's yeah, because I, I yeah. yeah, I think. What, why am I thinking one over twenty-six squared? Um, because because if you've got the two dice, the two twenty-six sided dice, mm-hmm. um, you could have the. Die one is P, die two is A, or the other way around. So there are two different outcomes. Okay. Oh, that's a different way of coming out the same. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're the two options. You kind of, you have to have, it, it's basically the equivalent of rolling two of a specific number. Yeah. Okay. But twice, because it could be either way around. I would buy two over right. 26, 26 squared. So maybe people out there can uh, can write with the... Yeah, I, that, that would be my answer. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, think about two dice. Uh, it's the same thing. Like, there are 36 um, possible what are the odds rolls. That- and if you're saying that two of... It's the same as the chances of rolling, um, or sort of the same as rolling 11 with two dice. Like, yeah, you there's, can. There's 36 possible rolls. There's one over six times one over six, and two of those um, possibilities are 11. By the way, that that answer, six. if it is if it is two over 26 squared or thir- one over thir- one over 13 times 26, yeah, then that is a uh, one in uh, that's 338. It's very unlikely wow. to have penis and anus. In the same what are thing. the uh, What are the odds then that his Misfortune would eventually become a math question. <laughs> it would just baffle everybody and be what, famous. Can we hear more about? So <laughs> It'll anus, be taught in colleges. Anus High was your friend. Uh, yeah, anus was my friend. Penis was his brother. And how how else was his life? Uh, um, there were other ones, but most of those just fell under the typical. Um, you know, you could argue that it was self induced. One of my favorite stories was that. Um, he went to a he he wanted to volunteer volunteer his time for um 
Big Brother. Mm-hmm. He just thought that would be a nice thing to do to Not give, the give back. But the- and he, yeah, and he felt he was kind of a loner, and he had basically two friends, and it was myself and one other guy. And uh, he had been uh, kicked out of his house by his stepdad, but his stepdad was also still. Um, still uh, claiming it was a dependent so it was like there was a whole mess there but uh, this one particular time he came back and he was really upset that he got rejected for uh, being a big brother and we asked why and he was like well they asked me for uh, a reference and they they said wink wink we we like it when it's a female reference and I said well I don't really have one and they go it doesn't even have to be like you know a girlfriend or anything it could be any it could be your mom or whatever. And he's like, well, I'm not very, I'm not, I'm estranged from my mom. Okay, but it can be a girl of any any female person that can say you're not a child molester. And he's like, uh, wow, uh, shit, I don't, I don't think I have anybody. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> it's not that he was a child molester. It's just like literally he was not able to produce one female person that could say that he wasn't a creep. That was awful. But that's a kind of different bad luck than probability. Well, here's, okay, revising the answer, though, to the problem. Yeah. Because it, it we made a lot of assumptions. Like, firstly, that the naming is completely random and that all letters are equally likely. Oh, yeah. And... But I think the biggest assumption we were making is lack of intent on the part of the parents. Right. Oh, that's yeah. true. <laughs> it's like I think there's a there's a very <laughs> high probability. Although I think when when you're naming a kid, if your your basic due diligence, well, first thing is, does it sound funny when you say it as a full name just on its own? Yeah. Basically, right away, is it have? But then the second thing I think anybody has to do is just. Are the initials when they put together? Are they something bad? Yeah, and also if you have a sp- just initials, you've had saying- that last name, you've had that surname for a while. You yeah. must be aware of some of the things. I you don't can know. Do. Oh, I know. What I'm saying is, this is a third level where you're saying, "What does it sound like when some letters are some parts of the name are initialized and some are said in full?" That's a pretty specific. And there's also new terms that come out. Like I'm sure there's kids out there named you know John Cuck or you know. Some- <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like yeah, the parents yeah, are probably yeah, like, "Oh, yeah. come on! You're gonna make a word now? Now that we've already named, you know?" Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, but maybe that becomes like. Well, no, I guess cock would be great, uh, but yeah, like, <laughs> Andy Dick, like that's a real last name, and like, yeah, we're the fucking Dicks. Like, no, absolutely, it, yeah, yeah, the Dicks. Or Tim Allen's real last name is Dick, right? He was Tim Dick. Like yeah, the stage name because he didn't have the balls that Andy Dick had. He didn't have the balls. The Dick balls. Oh, this reminds me of something. I love. I by the way, my favorite kind of humor is the vacillating between uh, intelligent stuff and uh, bodily function stuff. But uh, and that's what we're doing a lot of, which mm-hmm, is great. Mm-hmm. But um, I was at a uh, there's a a place in Nebraska, Grand Island, Nebraska, and they were all very proud of the bar that sponsored the show that we did that was called Balls, B-A-L-L-Z, Saloon. And they gave me a a shirt, which I still have, which I'm never going to wear ever, but it says, who who needs hooters if you've got balls? (laughs) And they were still like, yep, who needs hooters if you've got balls? And I want to be like, well, I have balls, and I don't mind hooters so much. But it's like they're they're not putting any thought whatsoever. Yeah, they're both sexual things, <laughs> so we're just gonna. It doesn't even like, really make sense. Yeah, as I, I know, it's just like 
I'm fine. I got these. I know. Yeah. I, what do I need with some titties? I've got male genitalia. <laughs> <laughs> and not even the good part of Mel. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I, yeah. We all put up with. Right, yeah. But yeah. they were they were trying to slam Hooters, but like Hooters could very easily just come back and say, "Well, enjoy your." Then don't have them if you don't want <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah. But we have them. Yeah, that's amazing. That's very funny. By the way, I hate to like make you tell stories, but um, sure. we haven't spent much time talking about punching Henry, which is oh, great. Yeah. And after we saw the screening, which is like like I said, hilarious. I um, you talked about things that were. Uh, that were not I forgot if you had started to shoot this scene or if it was not even going to get shot but you wanted to but the story that actually happened to you in your life about breaking a record oh oh the <laughs> just, uh, this is in can uh, I make you tell a story is that okay yeah so I was doing um, we should say I hadn't realized in Punching Henry and Punching the Clown the, the, the previous film how nearly every thing that happens to Henry in the movie is pretty much a real story pretty much yeah now okay to, to be fair this one uh we narrowly escaped it becoming a tragedy but uh <laughs> but i'll I, I think it, it was uh i think it might have been david crow and i am but it's like a different um, story that i was even talking about no it? i, I it's Robert? the one you're talking okay, about yeah. but I'm, I'm just adding more details okay, since okay. we're on a probably science yes, podcast okay. i probably shouldn't be bullshitting but um no no no, yeah, it was in. Uh, it was in uh, Michi- Michigan. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yeah, Grand Rapids, oh, yeah. Michigan, and the town was in order to promote the comedy festival. Was like, we're gonna break the world record for most rubber chickens thrown, or something like that. And um, it's, that it was pretty record. silly, yeah, yeah. you know. And it's the first night of the festival. I'm excited to maybe go to a bar. I've been flying all day. My friend David Crow's there, and we're gonna do this but um they were talking about how and i think the mayor was there and everything and they were like this is a real record and it was held by like the you know i don't know whatever kalamazoo or something like that and so they were going to try to beat it that night and that was going to be a big rivalry thing and so what they did was they had everybody go up and grab a chicken until they were all gone and they needed a, a specific number of them like 500 chickens needed to be thrown or something and so we're standing around and it was taking forever for them to figure out where everybody was supposed to stand. And there were people from the Guinness oh world records God. there. And, and they were like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to stand here. There's going to be a timer at some point. We're waiting for the, you know, calibrator guy or whatever. And then David and I looked at each other. It's like, well, do you, I don't really want to do this shit. Do you? <laughs> and he's like, nah. So we went to a bar and uh you know we had our rubber chickens with us and we're sitting there just drinking a beer and then they all went about their business and uh and to be fair they did they did uh get the record because they overcompensated how many they needed <laughs> but when we came out of the bar with our chickens we saw the lady who was organizing the whole thing and she's like you have your chickens you didn't throw them what are you doing and then we just looked like the guys who were trying to ruin the thing. but uh no, but in reality, uh, obviously, if, in the movie version, uh, I would have that fucked was the up there. Chicken, but but in, like, in reality, and your people record. can check this out, but supposedly, if if my facts are correct, um, unless it's changed, uh, Grand Island 
No, no. Uh, Rapids? Grand Rapids, Michigan holds the record for most rubber chickens thrown. But almost not, thanks but to almost, you. But <laughs> almost, certainly no help to the comedians. And then try doing a show after that, after they're always like, oh, these are the guys that tried to fuck up our fucking... <laughs> these guys only, ruined our well record. Literally only thing we have to be proud of, and these guys tried to rob, a, <laughs> rob us of that. Sorry we're not L.A. people. Hey, Henry. Yeah. Where can our listeners find the movie first and then your other stuff? Um, the new movie, Punching Henry, which you are in, and Matt Kirshen is great in it. And um, it's uh, it's on iTunes, Amazon, uh, VOD. You can get it uh, on Blu-ray coming up April 18th. I'm not sure nice. when this airs, but on April 18th, you'll be able to find it on Blu-ray. I would imagine on all the outlets, you know, Amazon and all that stuff. Um but uh, that's pretty much it. And sadly, I haven't heard about... I know we have a foreign distributor. Uh-huh. But I thought that meant it was somebody who distributes things foreign. It's just a distributor who happens to be foreign. That's all we have. No, I, I just came up with that right now. <laughs> that's speaking of English. It's been hard to yeah, work but we have, He's calling up all these movies yeah, yeah, across yeah. America. They can't understand Nobody can him. understand a word he's saying because we have a foreign distributor. <laughs> But um, <laughs> we should have clarified. No, but we do. Uh, Oct- Octane apparently is a dist- is a distributor that's uh, that's working on getting us in the UK. I think it's available in Canada. Uh, hopefully, it'll be in Australia too. But uh, I'm really happy with the movie and the way it came out. And Matt was involved right from the very beginning, from the readings. Right, I did one of the read yeah. one of the early readings. Nice. And um, it's star studded. Also, I don't know if you mentioned. Oh yeah, earlier. yeah. We should point out like yeah. I'm. So far down the bill. Oh, no, I'm not trying to say that. I'm no, 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 but it's I guess like, it's like, yeah. Uh, well, I'm yeah. further down than you are. <laughs> yeah, we've got J.K. Simmons, who's won an Oscar, Sarah Amazing. Silverman, Jim Jeffries, Tig Notaro, Doug Stanhope, Nikki Glaser, um, Matt Kirshen, Mike Kaplan, Brendan Walsh, Chris Fairbanks, uh, and Wayne Fetterman, <clears throat> Michaela Watkins. I mean, it really goes on forever. Well, uh, Matt is the reason that Jim Jeffries is in there because you were a conduit. I don't think I, I, I know Jim, but I, I wouldn't have asked him because I just wouldn't have. Well, for one thing, you guys were hanging out, but also I think I was at like just drinking with him when you messaged, and I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, I'm going to see him tomorrow if you want to. Yeah. Oh, I was so the amount of pressure. It, it was just unbelievable, and I was so happy. Like, like J.K. Simmons, do it. J.K. Simmons won the Oscar. In between filming the movie and it coming out, yeah, <laughs> it was like, yeah, so great. Yeah. It was great luck for for us. Terrible luck for him. It's like this is <laughs> great. I have follow-up. an Oscar in my follow up movie as some comedian's <laughs> thing, but uh, but he's fantastic in it. I mean, he he actually gives me hope that if you do a good job in whatever you're doing, then you won't be culpable. You know, it's like, um. You know, because we, I think the movie's great anyway, and everything like that. But I don't. I, I think even if the movie was just a huge piece of shit, the work that he's doing can't possibly be construed as bad. Like, yeah, it doesn't yeah. really matter how bad the writing is or the, all this other stuff. If you just show and bring it, you're all there. They're, they won't. I can't imagine anybody looking at anything that J.K. Simmons does and say, you know, that's just subpar. I mean, he's really, really good. Yeah. If anything, again, not that this is the case, but it would be like. That was the standout part of this. Otherwise, yeah, you know, like if you yeah, exactly. do your shit well, you're doing your shit well. Yeah, That's- so it's like, and and Michael Caine once said, which I think this has been disproven now in the age of YouTube. But he was always like, well, you know, if a movie's a piece of crap and you do it. 
don't worry about being embarrassed because if, if it really is a piece of crap, then nobody will see it. Yeah. Unless yeah. it's it so we, bad that it's like it ironic. becomes ironic. Yeah, yeah. But chances are Michael Caine wouldn't be the reason that you're laughing at it, you know. Yeah, yeah he's sort of always been decent in shitty films. Yeah, I think he's done. Yeah, he doesn't say no a lot, does he? I feel like he's. Done I mean, that's that's what he was saying yeah, in this interview. He's like, sure, yeah. But it is hard when your face is on there. If you're a crew person, like uh, one of my best friend's dad is a guy named Dean Cundy, who was the DP for uh, Jurassic Park and Back to the Future. And he always in interviews says, um, just take everything, you know, because if it's bad, then you'll learn from it. You know, if it's Mm -hmm. good, then you'll benefit from it. You know, when you're an actor, it's a little harder to make that decision, though, because it's like, well, my face is all over this thing. It's a huge piece of crap. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you learn to not do it again. Yeah, if, if you're the, if you're somebody on the crew, it's like, wow, I learned from that. That was a piece of shit. But if it's your face throughout yeah, the whole yeah, thing yeah, and your yeah. name, it's a little harder. Maybe they made that the rule. Like, if it comes out as a piece of shit, then like the writer and the director's faces are on the poster. They have to super yeah, there you out go. The advertising for it. Yeah, that's absolutely that would be great. And you haven't gotten any uh, letters from J.K. yet asking to take his face no, the no, excellent, and. Uh, yeah, no, he's been very complimentary. Um, he's supported it publicly, too. Uh, Excellent. Somebody told me they were at the West, Co- West Side Comedy uh, Theater, and um, n- nobody told me this. Somebody just tweeted it. It was a picture of J.K. Simmons uh, taking interview questions, and somebody brought up Punching Henry, and he spoke favorably of it. So That's that awesome. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, check out that movie. Yeah. Also check out Henry's Kitchen. Yeah. And you and your fucking coffee, your two web series. Yeah, which episode eight just went live on YouTube right now. So nice. Like I'll yesterday. Check it out. So that's on, that's all on the uh, YouTube channel or uh, henryphillips.com. It's got all the videos there. Yeah, you can pretty much do everything on henryphillips.com. Check us out on. Uh, we're going to be at Bridgetown. May 4th through 7th. You can go to bridgetowncomedy.com for info on the festival in general. And our we don't have our exact show time yet, but it's going to be. Probably Saturday the sixth or Sunday May seventh up in Portland. We wow, that uh, quick. You guys you, are already doing that. Yeah, right? it's tenth year coming up. It's crazy. That's so awesome. You can email us with corrections, comments, clarifications, stories to cover, that kind of thing at probablyscience at gmail dot com. You can tweet us at probably science. Uh, you can also find the donation button on the uh, Squarespace powered uh, probably science website. We've got loads of donors to thank. We'll have to do that next week. You will be rolled over, but you will get a thank. Thank you very much, generous donors. And also the Amazon shopping link as well. If anyone's mm-hmm. shopping on Amazon, use our link. It gives us a little kickback. It costs you no extra. Uh, but also write nice things about us on iTunes. Spread the word. Use your various social media outlets to let people know about what we do. Or so talk to a person in the face and say, hey, go listen to this podcast mm-hmm. and grab their phone, show them how you can listen to podcasts. Yeah. Subscribe on their, their phone, phone through iTunes. That yeah. really helps Tell us out. Tell them what a podcast is. Yeah. Explain it. It's like a radio show, but on the phone. I have so many old friends that are um, just like, what What does that mean? I have to get some app or something. It's like, not anymore. You it's, just If I'm, you have an iPhone, it's on your phone already. Yeah, you know, yeah. But also, can't you generally just go to YouTube anymore or any of these other ones and just play it? I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, you could just go, you could go in your browser on your phone to probablyscience.com and stream it from there. Yeah. There's tons of ways to do it. Yeah. It's just nowhere near as difficult as it maybe used to be. Uh, So go do that. And check out Punching Henry. 
Henry Phillips, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. This was great. Thanks. Delight as always. Bye. Bye.